Good morning. That's pretty good for a rainy Sunday, I'm not going to lie. Well, after a wonderful time of worship and just getting to sing the praises to our Lord and um, just such a peaceful time and it was really perfect, that last song. Um, obviously didn't know they were going to sing it, wasn't planned, but it's going to work into the sermon a little bit. I think it's, I think it's beautiful how God does that. Um, it's going to be really incredible. I'm excited for this morning. Um, if you are new here, my name is LJ. I'm the Fold Groups Minister. Um, I like to introduce myself so you don't feel afraid to come talk to me. I'm mean, a big guy. I can be scary sometimes, but I'm really like a teddy bear, so just come talk to me anytime. Um, we are in our sermon series, Meanwhile. We're going through the life of Joseph, and last week, CJ did a little intro into Genesis chapter 37. If you guys want to go ahead and start turning there, that's where we're going to be again this morning, verses 12 through 36 on your phones and your Bibles, whatever you got. Um, but I'm going to do just a little recap this morning. So the last week, and the reason I'm doing this is because if you haven't, if you weren't here last week, or if you're going to miss a Sunday in this series, CJ probably said this last week, go back and listen to the podcast, go back and listen to it any way you can. If you're going to miss, listen, because this is going to be one big buildup and one big sermon series that at the end, it's all going to connect. It's all going to make sense. It's all going to be one beautiful story because that's what the life of Joseph is. This is all one big, beautiful story that really culminates at the end. But we're not going to the end. We're not going any further than the verses that we're in this morning, which is 12 through 36. Sorry, let me pull up my notes real quick. Cool, cool, cool. All right, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dive right in. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful morning where we get to gather and worship through song and message, God. I pray right now that it is you who speak, that I am just a vessel, that it be your words and your light that illuminates. God, that it be your spirit that brings conviction. God, that it is you that brings heart change, God. Let it be nothing that I said, but solely you and your spirit, God, this morning. Name I pray, amen. All right, starting in verse 12, we're gonna read right through this. It's gonna be a lot, stay with me. All right, verse 12, his brothers had gone to pasture their father's flock at Shechem, Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, you, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from Hebron Valley and he went to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They said, they saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them, he said. Let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood, throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty and without water. They sat down to eat a meal, and when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, 
balsam, and resin going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When the traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in its blood. They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, we found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his sons many days. All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the merchants sold Joseph to Egypt, in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt alone? And sometimes I think we think of abandoned as this dark, dark, crazy place of like, I'm, everyone's left me, I'm gone, I'm away from this place. In a way it is, but in other ways it's, it's sometimes just maybe a friend betraying you or maybe being lied to um, or maybe be f- being forgotten for something small. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that in this life, Maybe your friends, maybe your family, maybe you're in a season where, you know, maybe this past week, the past month, maybe six months, maybe in a year, you feel like God's abandoned you. Maybe you haven't heard his voice. Maybe you've been wondering, where's God right now in this moment? I have a lot going on and I I can't feel him. I don't know if he's there and I feel like I'm all alone and he's abandoned me in this place. You ever felt that way? We're going to look into the story of Joseph. We're going to go a little deeper. We're going to dive in. We're kind of examine that because um, it's, a, it's a real thing. And it's something that Joseph is just now experiencing. Joseph was raised up as the favorite son, given a beautiful coat, and is seen as the favorite. Something we can look at as well as, you know, he's given this job almost like a supervisor as the white-collar man over his blue-collar older brothers who goes and, you know, has the dream job of like, I'm in charge of you guys, I'm younger than you. He has everything made out for him. His father loves him. He's having these dreams, these visions where he is going to save and lead his family. He's going to come up being the youngest and save his family and lead them to a place that is better than where they're at right now. A place that will be better than where they're going to be in the future. So as we go through and really look at this, some things I just want to highlight and kind of look over is... You know, he's, he's going out. He's going to see them. I think one thing we can't leave out, we can't forget, we can't not focus on is the fact that as he's walking up, they are plotting to kill him. I, I think in our culture today, I think just in the Bible itself, you know, we see death, we see destruction, we see bad news left and right. And we can look at this and be like, yeah, 
But think about the heart issue, the, the, the issue in the heart to where as he's walking up, they are casually plotting, we're going to kill our brother. The, the sin at the heart of that and how broken this family is and how broken and messed up the things are that are going on there. Well, this is a big deal that they are plotting to kill him. They are wanting to murder their own flesh and blood. And not only that, you know, you got to think Joseph is just casually walking up. You know, he's just, he just coming to do his job. He's coming to just take care of what his father told him to do. Like I said, living his dream job, being the favorite, having the coat on. You know, it's just everything's right for him right now. Um, and he goes up, and, you know, they, they throw him in the pit. Now, we don't know really the context of everything that happens. We don't know if, you know, he may have thought they were just playing a joke on him. Or if they were serious, like, hey, we're really leaving you here. You know, it doesn't say that. We just know they threw him in the pit. He knows he's in the pit. And one of the things that happens afterwards is one of the things we know is that he's just sitting in this pit, and they're just casually eating beside him, just kind of hanging out. Like, it's, it's so casual that they're, they're going to kill their brother, get rid of him, and they're just sitting down for a meal right next to him. The idea of possibly, if he is terrified and scared, which most likely is hearing his cries while they're eating. Just this idea of like, don't leave me here. I don't want to be alone. This is scary. And then this, this, the next thing happens, and it's, and it's crazy to think about, because at this point you may think, maybe it is a joke. Maybe they are just pulling a prank on me. Maybe they are messing with me like they've always done. So they pull him out of the pit. The merchants come. They decide to change their mind. Again, this is talking amongst himself. We're not telling Joseph this. He gets pulled out. Joseph may be thinking a sigh of relief here, like, oh, my goodness. Like, thanks, guys. I, like, like, I thought you guys were going to really leave me there this time. Um, just to turn around and his brothers sell him off, sell him into slavery. Um, like, you, you got to imagine going from, going from where Joseph was to being thrown into the pit, thinking he may be left for dead, to being pulled out and then sold into slavery. Um, kind of going, going through a lot right there. Having, um, having experienced a lot in that moment. Um, and it's tough. Like, the idea of going from a place where life is abundant, life is full, to where I have everything I want. I think I'm in the place and the purpose and the right place with God, with my family, with others, to then getting out of this place so drastically to where I have been left to die, where I have been left to be alone, where I've been sold off by my own family into slavery. And one of the things I brought with these this morning, um, if you guys don't know, it is Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sure you guys all know that. Um, it's a big day. So I brought this trophy. Before you ask, it is mine. I'm proud of it. So, got a little little story. So this is a trophy I won in high school. It's, it's kind of, it's a football trophy, but it means a lot more than that. Um, a lot, a lot more. Um, my senior year of high school, to put it, I was awesome. All right, let me... <laughs> Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, 
<laughs> I could, I, yeah, humble. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I was, I, was, I was just in a place where, like, everything was going right. Like, I was a leader in youth. Um, like, had a girlfriend. Um, was an awesome football player. Uh, had amazing grades. Um, and everything was just going really well. And what this trophy was, was at the end of the season, um, the Johnny Tanner Foundation, which is a group of guys, and then the coaches got together, and they chose one player to win this award, and it was based off of just overall, overall player, overall student, overall person. And I won this award. So it was like a huge high moment for me, like that out of the 90-plus players on my football team, who are all amazing men, that my coaches thought that I should win this. So I'm leaving high school like the man, like, like the man, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I go into college, I feel called into ministry, I go to North Greenville, I decide to be a Christian studies major, and I wasn't a good student, guys. Like, when I say I had great grades, I didn't try at all in high school. I had a 4.4 without trying. That's how easy high school was to me. Again, not trying to brag, I'm just <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but college wrecked me. I wasn't ready for how much more difficult it was, for how much more I needed to try um, and how much effort I had to put in. And I just struggled. I went through a spell of depression. I dealt with things that I've never dealt with before and obviously not playing football anymore. I'm playing drums. Um, it was all fun, but I kept struggling in school and it's getting near the end and I'm struggling with one class that I need I sit down with a professor in the office, kind of just talking about it. And again, I feel called to ministry. I feel led that God is leading me to be a part of ministry, to lead people, to disciple people, to raise up people, to be better versions, not only of themselves, but also as citizens of heaven, as daughters and sons of Christ. And the professor says, well, maybe, maybe God didn't call you to ministry. It's like, you're really struggling I, I, I see, you know, how you're doing, and, and maybe that wasn't the call in your life. Maybe, maybe you, you misread the call. Maybe you don't really know what your, your life calling is. Maybe ministry isn't for you. I remember in that moment, one, I, did, I didn't know what to say. I mean, you can't imagine not knowing what to say in that moment is like, how do you respond to that? Um, but I remember just like a gut punch of like, like maybe I'm not. Maybe God didn't call me. Maybe there, there is this no belief. My own professors don't believe in me. Um, I'm struggling. I feel, feel alone. I, I have the sense of abandonment. And I remember going home and it was just such a gut-wrenching moment that I just look at my mom and start crying. And just knowing that, like, in that moment, I was, I was so alone. I felt so abandoned, even though I knew people were there. It was a sense of loss, this sense of just loneliness, and this sense of identity stripped from me, just like that coat. This, this trophy, everything that happened in high school was my, was my colorful robe, was my ornate robe. It meant something so important to me. I was on this high horse, this part of life that I thought I found my purpose. I found my calling that everything was going right. And when all of it got stripped from me, I thought, 
God's abandoned me. People have abandoned me. People don't believe in me. And maybe, maybe, maybe you have these feelings. Maybe this idea of abandonment and loneliness, it doesn't always have to be this as, as extreme as Joseph, as extreme as it was. Maybe it can be a loss of identity. Maybe it can be you being in a bad place in a wrong time where you just feel like, I can't get out of this season. God's not here anymore with me. Maybe it is just a moment of, of weakness in our lives that we just can't get away from these feelings. And the one thing that, and like I said, the song that we just sang is gonna kind of come back, is that the one thing in those moments that we have to rely on, the one thing that Joseph, we're gonna see, ends up relying on, the thing that I had to rely on, the thing that even Jesus himself, when he felt abandoned on the cross, when he asked God, have you forsaken me? The one thing that we can rely on is God's nature, God's character, who he is. Even when we go from living life abundantly, when we go from living in our purpose, what feels so good and so right, and it all gets stripped from us and we feel like we're naked and alone and there's nothing that we can do to get out of this place because it feels like God's not there, the one thing that we truly have to rely on is God's faithfulness and who he is. Even when we can't feel it, even when we can't hear his voice, the word is there, the testament of your life is there, the things that you've gone through and experienced and that God has brought you out of is there as a witness, as a testimony for his faithfulness, for his promise, for everything that, everything that needs to be said to you in those moments when you feel alone, when you feel abandoned because we all have those moments. We all experience it some way or somehow, and it's tough. So when you, when you have those moments, when you, when you live in, in, in such a way that, that you, you, you just start to believe that I am alone, that I am abandoned, that God's not there, that my people who are usually there for me aren't there for me, that my family isn't there for me, that in any way, you feel alone and abandoned. Remember, God is faithful and God always keeps his promises. Let's pray. Father, be in this place this morning, God. Let your spirit move. Let people here who maybe haven't heard you in a really long time hear your voice. God, let them feel your spirit. Let them feel your presence. God, right now in this time of worship, in this time where we get to gather together and be a community, let us also be here for one another and, 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 and show that we don't have to be alone. We don't have to feel abandoned. We don't have to feel like no one's there. Let us show up for people. God, let your spirit move in a mighty way to change hearts, to break chains, to have people move from a place of loneliness to a place of security to a place of
fulfillment, to a place of purpose, to a place where they know that you are good and that your character is always faithful and that you are always there, God, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't know. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for never leaving, for never forsaking, for always being there to love us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.